Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gaynor. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com. Slash Pgant, and you can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForAgant. And while you're there on GoForAgant on Twitter, you can give me a follow at GoForAgant. And we're also chatting here live at BlogTalkRadio.com/Pgant. So you got something to say in the chat room? We're there. We're talking. We're having a good old time. So let me know how you feel. Big show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by actor, writer, producer, director. And and this man comes from the first family of comedy, the Wayans family, Damian Dante Wayans, who is going to star in his new show, Second Generation Wayans, which is going to air on BET January 15th. So that's a big moment and a big time for big moments and big times for him right now. We're going to talk to him about the Wayans show. And that's going to be a good show. You know, anything with the that the Wayne to do is funny. You know, you got In Living Color with, with Keenan and, and Damon. That was funny, of course. And then you got uh, you got the Wayne show. You got the Damon. You got uh, Damon uh, Wayne's his show. I forgot what the, what that show was. I forgot what it was called, but his show. I mean, all their shows, all their movies, everything that these guys do is funny. These guys are funny cats. These are funny dudes, and Damian Dante Wayans is, is looking to continue that tradition of funny that comes with the Wayans, the Wayans family. This is a funny family, and we're going to talk to him about some of the great things going on with his show, Second Generation Wayans, and just talk about, we're going to talk some sports with him as well, talk some NBA basketball, get his thoughts on the Knicks, get his thoughts on the Lakers, get his thoughts on what's going on in the NBA period. Also, we're going to be joined by our Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Going to talk all things NFL with Willie. The good, the bad, the ugly, the happy, the sad. We're going to talk it all with Willie Rofe. And we may be joined in the second hour by BoxingScene.com writer Cliff Rold as we discuss the big fight tonight. Pacquiao, Marquez, four. Four times. This is going to be the fourth time he's Two guys have gotten it on. They've gotten it on three other times, and each and every time it's been close. Each and every time 
it's been a good fight, a big-time fight. And so we look forward to talking to Cliff Rold about that fight, uh, possibly in the second hour. But I want to start tonight, New York City, the Heisman Trophy will be awarded to somebody. Will it be Notre Dame's Manti Teo? Will it be Texas A&M's Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel? We shall see. We shall see who is going to be the Heisman Trophy winner this year. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting to see who gets it. In my mind, and, and just looking at this whole thing, I got to say Johnny Football gets it John Johnny Manziel. He should get it done. I'm not saying he's going to get it done, but he should get it done. He should get it done. I mean, the numbers that he put up, I mean, uh, he broke Cam Newton's record. He, so he's, he put up big-time numbers this year. The numbers that he put up were big-time. He put up big-time numbers this year, big-time numbers for Texas A&M. And he was one of the big, big reasons this ball club won 10 games. They won 10 games this year on the backs of Johnny Manziel, Johnny Heisman. They won those 10 games on the back of that dude. He was big time this year. He was absolutely big time for Texas A&M. He was big time, and he got it done. He got it done for Texas A&M, and they went into Alabama, big football game. You go into Alabama, who was ranked number one at the time, and you beat them. You beat them. You beat Alabama, ranked number one at the time. You go in there and you beat them. That's big time, folks. That is big time. That's big time. And then you look at this guy. He breaks Cam Newton's SEC record for total offense. And it only took him two fewer games to do it. So he, he breaks Cam Newton's record for total offense in the SEC. And it only took him two and two less games. And two less games than Cam Newton. So he played two less games, and he broke Cam Newton's SEC single season record for total yards. So he put numbers up, man. He, he put numbers up. He put numbers up. 4,600 total yards. I mean, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. First SEC player and only the fifth football and only the fifth football uh, subdivision player to pass for over 3,000 yards and rush for over 1,000 in the same season. So he became the fifth player to do it and the first SEC player to do it. I mean, his numbers were crazy. His numbers were absolutely crazy. They were eye-popping. They were eye-popping. And then, to me, the clincher for me is what he did to Alabama, going into Alabama, who was number one at the time and who will be playing in a national title game. He goes into Alabama and he beats them. He beats Alabama. He beats Alabama. That's big, folks. That's big. Everything that Johnny Heisman has done throughout the course of this year has, he's little, but everything that he has done this year has been flat out absolutely big. He's been big. He has been big. He's been big. He's been big this year for Texas A&M. And we, a lot of people didn't expect Texas A&M to have the type of year that they had. 
They had a big-time year, Texas A&M. And you know why? Johnny Mandel is why. Johnny football. And after tonight, it should be Johnny Heisman. It should be Johnny Heisman. 24 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, 68.3 completion percentage, rushing of over 1,000 yards, and 19 touchdowns on the ground. I mean, he was big time, absolutely big time, Johnny Manziel. As far as I'm concerned, he is the Heisman Trophy winner. He is the Heisman Trophy winner. He is your Heisman Trophy winner. That's the way I. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Now, Manti Teo. Manti Teo, he was big too, and I'm not going to take that away. If he was big this year, and he's playing on the number one team in the country, that's big. That means something. That means something. Playing on the number one team in the country, seven big interceptions. That's big for for a linebacker. That's big time. That's big time for a linebacker. Seven interceptions for Teo. And he's on the number one ranked team. And that number one ranked team happens to be Notre Dame, so that helps him. That, that truly helps him. That helps him. Some people could argue that he's not the best player on his on this team in terms of the defensive side of the ball. He's not the best defender on his team. Some could argue. Stephen Tutt. 12 sacks. You could argue that. You could argue. He had two other linebackers that played that he played with two were big-time linebackers as well. But I think the Notre Dame factor does matter here. I think the Notre Dame factor does matter. Being play, He played for Notre Dame. That's big. That matters. That matters. The Fighting Irish. That matters. That's important. That's an important distinction. He plays for Notre Dame. And because he plays for Notre Dame, he's getting himself a lot of attention. He's getting himself a whole lot of attention. A lot of attention. We'll see. And and I'm just looking at his numbers, Teo. Again, you have the seven interceptions, but... He isn't in the top 20 for any other statistical category. So that's an important thing to, to, to recognize. That's an important thing to recognize. And, and, you know, people on the defensive, players on the defensive side of the ball usually don't get Heisman consideration. They they don't win Heisman. The only person to do it was Charles Woodson in 1997. And Charles Woodson... He did punts as well. And he played a little offense too. So you look at that, and obviously the Notre Dame factor is big in this whole thing. It's big. I mean, NBC covers them. You got NBC who has all their home games. NBC is the Notre Dame network pretty much. They got their own network, NBC. They got their own network. Their own network. Manti Teo, he's kind of the leader, the figurehead of this Notre Dame team. And you look at, compare his, in terms of tackles, 52 tackles this season. 
You've got Luke Keekley last year for Boston College who had 102 solo tackles. Teo has 50 less. 50 less. 50 less. And here you, you look at uh, Adama Kinsu, who was a finalist years, a few years back. He had 52 tackles. And he played defensive tackle. And that's harder. It's harder to get as many tackles as a defensive tackle than it is as a linebacker. And even more interesting is Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, who was fifth a year ago. Fifth a year ago in the Heisman voting. He had more solo tackles than Teo. So, I mean, I, I'm not – obviously, man, Ty Taylor had a very good year. He had a very good year. And he won a lot of awards for him for having a good year. He won a whole lot of awards for having a big-time year. He had a big-time year. And he won the Buckets, the Nagurski, the Lombardi the Ben Eric and the Maxwell Awards, the Camp Award. I mean, he won it all. He won it all. He won it all. The question is, does he win the Heisman today? Does he win the Heisman, the big one, the granddaddy of them all, or the big one? Does he win it? Does he win the Heisman, the biggest one of them all? Does he win it? It helps that he's on an undefeated team. It helps that his team is ranked number one in the country. It helps that his team is playing in a national title game. It helps that his team happens to be Notre Dame. All those things help. All those things help. Perfect storm. All those things come together. and, And putting all those things together, you have to say that putting all those things together, and I'm putting all those things together, to me, you have to say that, you know, it's going to be close. It's truly going to be close. It's going to be very close. That is a definite. It's going to be close. Very close. Oh, by the way, Johnny Heisman put up all those numbers in the tough, rough SEC. To me, putting all those things together, he played in the SEC. And, you know, that's just murder every week. That's just rough. Every week is a battle in the SEC. Every week is a battle in the rugged, the tough SEC. Every week. And he played in the SEC, and he put up big-time numbers in the SEC. Johnny Heisman, folks. Excuse me, Johnny Football at this point. But when it's all said and done, it has to be Johnny Heisman. has to be Johnny Heisman. Come on. He accounted for 43 touchdowns this year. 24 in the air, 19 on the ground. 
almost 70% completion percentage, over 3,000 yards pass, over 1,000 yards rushing. So the, the man put up some serious numbers. Serious numbers this year. Serious numbers. Only two losses that Texas A&M had was against LSU, who was big time, and Florida, who was big time. Only two losses they had. I think it's fair. I just think at this point, and I know and what's going to hold Johnny Mandel back is redshirt freshmen. Heisman voters do not like to give it to red to, to freshmen, to underclassmen. That's going to hurt them, and I think what's also going to hurt them is the Notre Dame factor. The Notre Dame factor is going to be big, and that's going to hurt him as well. We all know Notre Dame, and, and you the championship game is going to be crazy. Alabama, big time college program. Notre Dame, of course, a big time college program. It's the BCS dream. It's it's just, it's just a dream scenario for the BCS. It's a dream scenario. So Manti Teo, six big-time awards, six big-time awards. But will he get the big one? And that is the Heisman Trophy. Will he get the big one? Again, I think I laid out a fairly strong case for Johnny Menzel. A fairly strong case for Johnny Menzel. I think, I think I've given you a fairly strong case for Johnny Menzel. He was big time this year. Teo was big too, but but I I think Menzel was just a little bigger. I think Menzel was just a little bigger. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Should be very interesting tonight in New York City. Who wins the Heisman? Johnny Football, Johnny Menzel, or Manti Teo? I think after tonight it should be Johnny Heisman. It should be Johnny Heisman. The numbers tell you that it should be Johnny Heisman. They tell you that. They're, they're screaming that. They're screaming Johnny Heisman. That's what they're screaming. That's what they tell me. They always say the numbers never lie. They say numbers never lie. And if that's the case, man, I tell you, yes, seven interceptions. But again, nowhere, be, nowhere to be seen in terms of other statistical categories. Not even in the top 20 in other major defensive statistical categories. Not even in the top 20. Seven interceptions is big, especially for a linebacker. It's big for anybody, but it's very big for a linebacker. Very big for a linebacker. But again... We shall see what happens tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I will be watching. They just drag it out. 
I mean, if you watch those Heisman Trophy presentations, it just drag it out and drags on and on and on and on. Long show. Just uh, we're waiting for one announcement. Let's just get to the announcement. I understand that's what they do. It is the nature of the situation. It is what it is. It is what it is. But it's just like you know what? Let's get to the, let's get to the punchline here. You know what I mean? Let's let's get to where we need to get to. Let's what we want is to find out who's winning the Heisman. All the other stuff is just all the interviews. All the other stuff, the, the features, all the other stuff is just fluff. It's just pat, just add-ons, just to make this whole thing longer than it needs to be. Let's just get to the punchline, folks. Let's get to the end, folks. Let's get to where we need to get, folks. Let's stop wasting our time. Let's stop wasting our time with all the other uh, fluff that we have to go through, we have to watch just to get to the main meal. To get to the, we got to go through all these appetizers just to get our, uh, to, to get the main meal. To get what we're looking for. To get what we're looking for. That's what we have to do, unfortunately, and that's what this Heisman Trophy thing does. I mean, the, the presentation is just long, it's boring, it's drawn out. I think I'm going to come in at the end. You know what? I'm going to come in at the end and watch it at the end. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to watch it. So I, I, can't, I can't get through it. Like, I can't get through all the interviews, the features. I, I've, I've, I've heard enough about each and every one of these guys. I, I don't need to know any more than I already know. I don't need to know any more. All I need to know at this point is who is the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner. That's all I need to know, folks. That's all I need to know at this point. I don't need to know any more than that. Any other, any any more than that is uncivilized. I don't, I don't need to know any more. I, I, I've heard it all before. I, I know everything about you. I know everything about these guys, everything I need to know, I know about them. I don't need to know any more. Please. And I know there are a lot of people out here who feel the same way I do. Give me my meat. Give me my meal. Give me my feature presentation. Don't give me anything else. Let me have what I need to have. Let me know what I need to know, and I understand you got to draw it out. I mean, it is the nature of the situation. You, you got to make a complete program, a complete TV show. I understand. I, I get it. I get that. But it doesn't mean I like it. It doesn't mean I like it. So I'm probably going to stroll in around 7 o'clock, around 6.50, 6.45, to see who won the Heisman. That's what I'm probably going to do. That, that's what I plan on doing. I'm, I'm going to stroll in around that time. And I'll find out who is the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner. Johnny Menzel, or should I say Johnny Heisman, or Manti Teo. Teo! Teo! We shall see. We shall see who wins it. 
But I think we all know who should win it. I think we we all know who should win it. We all know who should win it. It's just a matter if the right person wins it. We all know who should get it done. We all know who should be the winner. We all know. We all know. You know, I know. You know, I know. Who should win the Heisman this year? You know. I know. We'll just see what happens tonight in New York City. I said 6 o'clock. Actually, it's 8 o'clock tonight. 8 o'clock tonight. So... I think I'm going to stroll in. I know ESPN has a good 30 for 30 tonight with Bo Jackson. So I think I'm going to stroll in at around mm, 8.45. 8.45, I'm going to stroll in and watch it. That's an hour of, of, of fluff and, and pad and, and, and features and interviews. I, I don't know, man. That's a lot. That's a long. That's drawn, That's really drawing this whole thing out. My goodness. But it starts at 8. I'm rolling in around 8.45. And we'll figure out who is the 2012 Heisman Trophy winner. We shall see. We shall see. I want to switch gears now to the National Football League. and There's been some talk about eliminating the kickoff. Eliminating the kickoff, and to me, it's a bad idea. It's 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 a bad idea. It's a bad idea, and this was uh, brought up, uh, and there was a suggestion made by Greg Schiano. And Greg Schiano, he was the coach. Just to give you a little background. He was the coach at Rutgers when Eric LeGrand uh, was paralyzed, and he was paralyzed on a kickoff. And his idea is. Instead of kickoffs, teams will have the option of putting the ball at the 30-yard line and going for a first down in a 4th and 15 situation. I don't like it. I don't like it. You can either punt from the 30-yard line or go for it on a 4th and 15 situation at the 30-yard line. I don't like it. I don't like it even a little bit. To me, and, and, you know, I understand the league with all these concussions and the concussion lawsuits and all these things. I understand the league is trying to do whatever it can, at least that's what they're telling you, trying to do whatever they can to make the game safe, make the game safer. And the danger sometimes in messing with this game is that you're going to mess with it a little too much, you're going to tinker with it a little too much, and then you're going to mess the whole game up. It's almost like if you're cooking and, you know what, you put this ingredient and that ingredient in there, and it tastes good. It tastes real good. It tastes very good. It tastes great, actually. But you know what? You feel like it's missing something. You want to add that little something in it. And you add that little something in it, 
and it just throws the whole thing off. Just throws the whole thing. What was great and good now doesn't taste so good. And I think that's what you're that's what you may be doing here by tinkering with this and, and, and doing these things that you plan on doing and, and trying to make the game safer. And I yeah, I know it's important for the game to be safe. It's important for guys to to be able to have all their faculties when they get done playing this game. That's important. I know it's very important. And I know Roger Goodell and the competition committee are considering eliminating kickoffs. And to me, I looked I looked at the NFL and you watch the game. The kickoff is one of a kickoff return is one of the more exciting plays in football. It's one of the more exciting plays in sport. And again, you're starting to tinker a little too much with the game. I mean, with these various penalties for rough, roughing the passer, and so on and so forth. You're just tinkering a little too much with the game, even in terms of the pass interference calls. And you know, to me, in the NFL, they need to go to the college rule. Needs instead of it being a spot foul pass for pass interference, it needs to go to a 15-yard penalty. Because you know you just you're just running and seeing too many times of just ball just getting thrown up, flag getting called, and now you know you, you're at your thirty, and now you're at the other team's ten, fifteen yard line, and it's like you know what? Come on, is it, it should that penalty be should the pass interference penalty be that egregious? Should it be that punitive? Should it be that punitive? And that's what it is. I mean, it's too much. There's too much, and they're calling it so many times, so often. And to me, it's taken away from the game. It's taking in, taking away something from the game. And I remember there's a video game used to play many years back. That was an NFL game, I believe it was called. Um, and in that game, it was... There was a, I guess you'd call it a defect in the game because anytime you could throw the ball long and then you could just run into the guy, as an offensive player, you could just run into the defensive player and pass interference would be called all the time. And that was a video game. And, you know, and it reminds me of that video game, the way the league is, the way the game is going right now. You could just throw the ball in the air, guy gets tackled and whatnot. And all of a sudden, or you know, there's there's some there's some uh, contact, and then they call a penalty. And then it's a, being that the pass interference calls a spot foul. Now you're you're all the way close. You're you're real close. You're 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 down in close because of a, a penalty. And I think to me, the penalty it, it should not be. A spot foul needs to turn into a 15-yard penalty. But let me go back to the kick calls for a moment now. To me, it's one of the more exciting plays in the game. It's one of the more exciting plays in the game. A lot of players have made careers off of being kickoff return, kickoff specialists. And one guy is Josh Cribbs, who came out this week and talking about this whole situation. I mean, you know... Josh Cripps says, you know what, if they do it, and it's a, and these are his quotes, they need to call it a different league if they do that. It'll change the game dramatically, and those are the words of Josh Cripps 
big-time kickoff returner, Josh Cribbs. And he would know he's made a living off of this, and, you know, he, he's put up a lot of yardage and has made a lot of money from it. And he went on to say, I couldn't see that. I could I could never see that. That's like taking the goalpost out of the stadium, taking the whole post and uprooting it. Only play offense and defense just like intramurals, then play indoors and put flags on our pants. And, you know, a lot of people are saying and, and has talked about the league now in terms of, you know, this is glorified flag football. I don't, I don't believe that's the case. But you, you, you hear a lot of talk of that, but I don't think that's the case. It's still a physical, violent game. And they're trying to clean it up, and they're doing an okay job of cleaning it up. And, yes, there are some questionable calls in, in terms of roughing the passer and, and, and in terms of head to helmet-to-helmet shots, in terms of defenseless receiver and what that is, and, you know, so on and so forth. There's been a lot of talk about that. But to me, I understand what the league is trying to do, and I don't necessarily blame them with all the, the lawsuits and everything that's coming at them and may be coming at them um, in the future. But I, I think, again, you, you got to be careful. you got to be careful. The NFL is great. The NFL is popular. The NFL is making a lot of money. A lot of people are making a lot of money in the National Football League. A lot of people. It's a very popular game. You, you, you have the suicide. You have the stuff outside the game, fantasy football. I mean, that's a big-time industry, fantasy football. People are making a living off of fantasy football. Suicide pools. People are playing suicide pools and doing suicide pools week in and week out, year in and year out. That's big. That's big. I mean, these are all big things that come with the National Football League outside of football. And, you know, these are big parts of this game. So this game is healthy. It's a healthy game. From a financial standpoint, from a rating standpoint, it's healthy. From a viewership standpoint, from a fan standpoint, it's a healthy situation. But you start tinkering now. You start doing certain things, like taking out the kickoffs. I think you run into a a dangerous situation there. You run into a dangerous situation there. And you do that, there may not be any turning, there may be no turning back. There may be no turning back because of it. And I just think the National Football League, the NFL as a whole, has got to be careful. They have to be careful because you're going to run into a situation now where you're going to do a little too much. And and a part of the NFL, and a part of what makes the NFL, the NFL is the violence. Let's be real, it's the hard hits. It's the contact. People enjoy watching that. That's a part of what makes the sport the sport. That's a part of what makes the NFL the NFL. The violent nature of the game. People watch the NFL and the National Football League because of the violent nature of the game. People watch those watch the game because of its violence. That's what people do. So, and you're starting to take a little bit of that away from the game, and then you're going to start taking away the kickoffs and the exciting plays that come from the kickoff. Come on. 
Come on, the game is right. You don't need to make any more changes. The game is fine. It's a violent game. Concussions are going to happen. It's just the nature of the game. It's just the nature of bigger, stronger, faster. Because that's what these guys are, bigger, stronger, faster. So the nature of this game is violence. And because of that, you're going to have concussions. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have it. It's just the nature of the situation. It's life. As a national football, as an NFL player, you sign on to this game and you know what comes along along with this game. You know what comes along with this game. You know that this game is violent. You know these things coming into the game. You know it. You know it. You know it. You know the nature of the National Football League and its game. You know it. It's just the nature of the beast. You know what you're getting into when you sign that contract. You know. And obviously, I mean, do I have sympathy for the guys who are struggling because of playing football, guys struggling physically, guys struggling mentally? I mean, do I have sympathy? Obviously, I do. I have a lot of sympathy for it. But you knew what you were signing up for. You knew what you were signing up for. You knew that you weren't playing flag football. You knew you weren't playing touch football. You knew you were playing tackle football. And you know what comes with playing tackle football. You, you know the possibilities, uh, the possibility of you getting hurt, the possibility of you not being able to walk right when you, when you retire, the possibility of you being even paralyzed. Because of this game, the possibility uh, of you not being able to remember your name, your phone number, not remember various things, those are the possibilities. Those are what comes with playing the national playing in the National Football League and just playing football on any level, period. That's what comes with it. That's the risk that you take. That's the risk that you take. It's a risky proposition, I guess. But, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, if you're making a, a good salary, a good living, seeing places that you never would have seen without your National Football League paycheck, doing things that you'll never be able to do because of your National Football League paycheck, I, the question becomes, is it worth it? And I don't play football, so I can't really answer that. That's a question that has to be answered by a football player. Is it worth those things? Is it worth those things? And not everybody is in that situation. Not everybody is in that particular situation, but there there, there are a good amount that are. There are a good amount that are in that situation. Broke. A lot of these guys get broke, turn broke, become broke, I should say. And that's, you know, I mean... You can't really do anything about that. The only thing you can do about that is educate guys and try to give guys the necessary tools to be able to avoid those type of things, to avoid those pitfalls. But it is what it is. It is just nature of the beast, the nature of the game. And my concern is that you start tinkering a little too much with the game and you you take away what makes the game 
the game? What makes the game special? What makes the NFL the NFL? You start taking away these things, and the problem that we run into, the problem that we run into is that eventually you'll tinker a little too much, and then ultimately what made the NFL the NFL won't be there because it'll just be stripped away by rules, by regulations. It'll be stripped away. Don't mess with the game. Don't take away the kickoffs. Please. It's a great part of the game. It's a great part of the game. It does not need to be touched. It's one of the, the most exciting plays you'll see in a National Football League game is a kickoff return. It's one of the more exciting plays you'll see in this game. Don't take it away. Don't take it away. Don't take it away. It's exciting. It's exciting. Don't take it away, folks. Don't take it away, Roger. Don't take it away, competition committee. Because if you do, you're taking a big part of the game. You're taking a big part of what makes this game exciting. That's what's going to happen if you do. That's what's going to happen if you do. And we'll see. And I'm looking, and we saw, we talked about it last week with uh, the situation in Kansas City. Ultimately, the Chiefs, would they would play the game, and ultimately the Chiefs would win the game. Brady Quinn had a good game, and the Chiefs as a whole came out and played inspired, decent football, and the situation with Javon Belcher and an unfortunate situation, obviously. Um, some argue that you know, maybe head trauma had something to do with his decision making. I don't know, but I mean, at the end of the day, an innocent person, what seems to be a fairly innocent person, uh, died and was was murdered. Um, and, and Javon Belcher, with his actions, forever changed the course of a lot of lives. Changed the course of a lot of lives. And the interesting. You know, the woman, Cassandra Perkins, who was the girlfriend of Javon Belcher and the woman that was killed, unfortunately, last Saturday, she, her cousin is Jamal Charles's wife. And so that's an interesting dynamic and an interesting situation for Jamal Charles because if you look at it, you remember, you, you go into the locker room and you see a shot of Belcher uh, his locker, you see his jersey there, almost memorialized on some level. And if you're Jamal Charles and you come in there and you see that, I don't think you're none too pleased by seeing that because, hey, that's your wife's cousin and basically it's your cousin now who was killed by your teammate. So you, you're – that's got to be tough. That's almost a double whammy. For Jamal Charles, <clears throat> that's a double whammy for Jamal Charles. I mean, not only your teammate Javon Belcher, not only was he your teammate, and that's what he was. He was your teammate, but he murdered your cousin. So, not only was he the teammate. But he murdered your cousin. I mean, it's basically like he lost two people. 
And they spent a lot. These players spent a lot of time with each other. They spent a lot of time with each other. A lot of time. And Jamal Charles's wife is Cassandra Perkins' first cousin. That's her first cousin. That's blood. That's blood right there. That's blood right there. That's a blood relative for Jamal Charles's wife. <clears throat> and the daughter. I mean, that's tough. That's tough. And Jamal Charles had to come out and play. And maybe, you know, and like I talked about last week, maybe being out there and playing the game is is a is almost a getaway. You get away for three hours. Get away from thinking about what happened. Thinking about what happened. You get away from all that. You get away from all that. So there's got to be a lot of mixed emotions for Jamal Charles. There's got to be a lot of mixed emotions for Jamal Charles because of the closeness of the woman, obviously, who was the first cousin of his wife, and also because of Belcher being his teammate. And it's, so this is, this has to hurt in all, all different ways. It's got to be hurt. I mean, they got to be hurt. It's, it's just tough. Tough. Tough situation for Jamal Charles. Tough, tough situation. Tough situation. For Jamal Charles. Tough situation for the Chiefs. It's just a tough situation for all involved. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's no tougher. I mean, I, I mean, the 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 people that you feel sorry for at this point, again, in my mind, I said last week, it's Belcher's mother who was there, witness to who was there when it happened, and, and Belcher's daughter. who now, again, has to go through life without parents. Has to go through life without parents. That's an unfortunate situation. That's an unfortunate situation. <clears throat> Very unfortunate situation. And basically, Belcher and Perkins were introduced to each other through Jamal Charles. So... Jamal Charles, at this point, he could be living with a with a with a sense of guilt. Like I introduced her to him, and look what happened. So it's got to be a tough situation for Jamal Charles, a very tough situation. I mean, I don't. It's got to be tough. I mean, he's got to deal with it. I mean, it, it's hitting him double. It's hitting him twice. It's hitting him from both sides. He's got to go home and deal with it with his wife, and then he has to go to the to the football field and to the locker room and deal with it because Belcher's his teammate. 
I wouldn't want to be Jamal Charles right now. That's just tough, tough, tough situation. A tough situation. A very tough situation. And Belcher, through his actions and through the murder-suicide, through killing his girlfriend and killing himself, it just turned changed the life of a lot of people. He really has. And they always say suicide is a, it's a selfish act, and in a lot of ways it is. It's a selfish act. It was a selfish act. And we don't know the particulars of why he did what he did. But we all do, we do know that Belcher, the night before, was with another woman. He was with another woman the night before the murder. Um, so, you know. And interesting text messages, actually, concerning this, uh, according to Sports Illustrated, uh, Belcher and a former teammate were going back and forth with texting, and uh, Belcher and some of these text messages he wrote talked about in terms of his. He talked about Perkins. He was saying that his baby mamas was crazy. Uh, he was talking about his daughter. He's actually talking about guns that he owns, and in the text messages he talked about owning about eight guns. It's a lot of guns. Um, talked about losing and talked about his contract situation in those text messages. And, I mean, it's just it's an unfortunate story. It's just an unfortunate, sad story. And I know Bob Costas this week, he called a lot of flack for his comments in terms of gun control, in terms of Belcher and the guns. And if he didn't have the guns, maybe... This would not have happened, and maybe he's right, maybe he's not. Um, Belcher is a fairly big guy, and if he wanted to inflict damage on Perkins without a gun, he could have done it. Um, you know, I mean, you see a lot of times also knives could have been used if he wanted to hurt her with a knife. He could have done it. I mean, so to 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 blame it on guns, I don't know if it's necessarily fair. I think it's. I understand his point. I understand his point of maybe if Belcher didn't have guns, maybe she would be alive, but maybe she wouldn't. Uh, maybe he he was going to do this regardless. Maybe he was going to do this regardless. We don't know. We do know there was they, they got into a little argument. Belcher and his, uh, his girlfriend Perkins they got into an argument before he shot. He shot her nine times, so that's a lot. So, I mean, that's a lot. Nine times. Not one, not two, nine times. That's a lot. That's a lot of times to shoot somebody. So, obviously, he was enraged. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy about something. We don't know what it was. But it just was an unfortunate unfortunate situation, a sad situation. It's a very sad story. And we're going to hear more and more as the weeks pass about why he may have done what he did. And maybe we don't find out at all why. I mean, we may not get a definitive answer on why he did what he did. We may not. But we do know this. It's unfortunate. It's sad. And 
you just wish everybody involved. You just got to give your prayers out to everybody else involved in terms of his parents, his family, the child, her family, everybody. More so her family, I guess. Well, all parties involved. I mean, because everybody's lives were changed. Everybody's lives were changed. Let's switch to the NBA now, something happier. Uh, Thursday night, the New York Knicks. Yes, the New York Knicks are Carmelo-less New York Knicks. A mellow-less New York Knicks. No mellow, no problem. Knicks go into Miami, 112-92 to against the Miami Heat. 20-point blowout. They blew it open in that third quarter. And mainly, the big reason for them blowing that game up and blowing that game out and just blowing it open was to play Raymond Felton, 27 big points. And also, it was because of 18 three-pointers. You went, you, you hit 18 three-pointers. More often than not, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. The Knicks right now are playing some big-time basketball. We can, can forget about all the Jeremy Lin talk. That's dead right now. Raymond Felton is balling. He's getting it done. He's making it happen for the New York Knicks. He's getting it done. J.R. Smith balling right now. He's getting it done for the New York Knicks, playing some big-time basketball for the New York Knicks. They're getting big-time scoring from J.R. Smith off the bench. He's giving them some a big punch off the bench, J.R. Smith. So you have him off the bench doing his thing for the New York Knicks. Raymond Felton doing his thing. Mello doing his thing. The Knicks are defending something they didn't do with Mike D'Antoni. They're defending right now. They're defending. They're scoring. They're shooting the three ball, lights out. I mean, they're, all, they're, they're eighth in the league in points allowed. So they're defending. They're scoring. They are doing it all right now. Third in points per game. Third in points per game for the New York Knicks. Novak is a sniper. J.R. Smith is a sniper. Mello. He can do his thing from downtown. Felton, balling. He was a beast the other night against the Heat. I mean, he was he was ridiculous. He was absolutely ridiculous in that game. Spinning, winning, and doing all the great things in that game. He was big. And the Knicks right now, the New York Knicks, yes, the New York Knicks are 14-4. and four. 14-4 and four. on top of the Eastern Conference. On top of the Atlantic Division, they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. The New York Knicks. Yes, the New York Knicks. Granted, it's only 18 games into the season. But the Knicks look for real. They look for real. They look for real. Rasheed Wallace is coming off and... and, and coming off the bench and giving them a nice little punch off the bench. Giving them a nice punch off the bench. Those old bigs, Kurt Thomas and, and, and Rasheed Wallace, giving them a big-time punch off the bench. The Knicks are for real. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Damian Dante Waynes, one of the stars of second-generation Waynes. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio.
Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We are back. And we're going to bring in a guy now who's who's doing a lot of big things. I mean, this man is doing it. He's acting. He's producing. He's directing. He's writing. He's doing it all. He's doing it all. He is doing it all, and he has a great name as well. I mean, he comes from the first family of comedy, the Wayans family. I mean, they're funny and live in color. Marlon and Sean doing their thing with their show, the movies. We've seen it all. These guys are big time. These guys are funny. And this man, he's keeping it going. He's keeping it alive. Let's bring him in now. Actor, producer, director, writer, and one of the stars of BET's second generation Wayans, the one, the only, Damien Dante Wayans. Damien, how are you, yes. sir? Man, I'm good. That was a hell of an introduction. I hope I can hold up for the rest of the show. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, but uh, th- th- thanks for the love, man. And, and Damien, let's get right down to it. You are let's from New York. Bit, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. You are from New York, but you just uh-huh. told me off the air, and, and, and this is a little disturbing. This is a little disturbing. <laughs> you told me that you're a Miami Heat fan. Did this happen okay, back now, in let, 2006 let, 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 no, no, when, no, when no, Shaq no, came let, along? Let, let, no, Did this no, happen last or uh, two years ago when LeBron James came along? Tell me, how did this Mr. happen? Gant, Mr. Gant, can I explain, please? Go ahead. Okay, here we go. So I'm born and raised in New York City. <clears throat> of course, I got Nick in my bloodstream. But I'm a huge, huge, growing up, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. So I was rocking with Jordan and the Bulls. That's my team. You know, that was the last time I officially had a team. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It was Michael Jordan era. You know, that, that that whole run, I was rocking with MJ. And I was there for the Nick battles with MJ and the whole nine yards. Then when MJ retired, a part of my heart just got peeled away from me. Like, like that really, really hurt. You know, so when he was gone... I was kind of in limbo. I didn't know where I was going to go because the battles were so, you know, they were so uh, it's so real between the Knicks and, 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 and the Bulls that I felt like if I went with the Knicks, I'd be doing something to my heart. So I said, <laughs> you know what, I'm just going to fall back until okay. this alien, this prodigy, this man-child, LeBron James, came into the league, and I said, hold up. I said, I can root for old boy. So I started rooting for Bron Bron, even when he was with Cleveland. I didn't, okay. I wasn't messing with Cleveland. I was rocking with Bron. He just so right. happened to be Cleveland. So where Bron Bron went, I kind of started to rock with him a little something. And right. then I got Laker haters around me. And we're going to get to the Lakers. But I got Look so many you. Lakers haters around me that their, uh, that their wish it's just for the, you know, I, the funniest thing ever to me about Lakers fans is the Lakers can lose, but if the Heat win, that really hurts them. So that made me really like the Heat even more. So now I'm rocking with the Heat, man. That that That's my explanation. Okay, so let, let me make sure I got this right. Let me make sure I got okay. this right. It was, it, was a, it was a long explanation, but let me make sure I got this right. You're telling me, okay, Jordan retires. Since Jordan and the Knicks had a big-time rivalry, you couldn't root for the Knicks. 
So you saw LeBron mm-hmm. James. He was a man-child. He was this, that, or what have you. I got to ask one question, though. What happened in between? Where were you going in between? This is this is what I'm trying to tell you. My heart, my heart was in limbo, man. You got to understand, I don't hate the Knicks. I, I, I got love for the Knicks. Put it this way. If the Heat didn't make it to the – this is what – this is to the, to the b-ball gods right now, this is what I want to see. I want to see the Knicks and the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be ideal for me. It's like I'm a Mets fan, but when the Yankees – if the Mets ain't in, then I'm rocking with the Yankees because okay. it's my default team. You know, you see what I'm saying? The Knicks okay. are my default team, but I'm rocking with the Heat, man. I'm rocking okay. with the Heat. All right. and, and let's talk about the Heat. I mean, okay. LeBron James and the Miami Heat. Well, New York, the Knicks, they came in there, came into Miami without Melo, mm-hmm. came in there mm-hmm. and smacked the Heat. I mean, this is the same Very time impressive. that Very the Knicks impressive. have smacked the Heat this year. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what What's I like What's going on with say? your Heat? This is the thing. The Heat at times, not the first game so much, but the second game, the Heat at times played to the level of their competition. Sure. That's what they got to stop doing. They have to ball like they are champions. They literally have to come and bring that. That's why, you know, ball players ain't cut from the cloth of MJ no more. MJ came in with a can of whoop-ass. No disrespect to the, to, to the senses on your network, but MJ would come in with a can of whoop-ass, do what he had to do, pack up that bag, and then he would leave the arena. He wanted your throat every single game. And that's what I like about Kobe. I, I respect that about Kobe, is the fact that Kobe wants to win all the time. I respect that type of passion in players. And that's what the Heat got to develop. You know, the Heat sometimes get into cool ball mode. You know what I mean? They uh-huh. they, 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 they dribbling up the court like, you know, they, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm sitting back like, come on, Bron, or come on, D-Way, <laughs> give it to them. Because I know they're going to give it to them later in the season. But as of right now, the Knicks are playing great ball. I can appreciate what they're bringing because they wasn't bringing it for a long time. A very long time. But I look at it, this whole situation and I watched the last game with the Knicks and Heat. I mean, the Knicks did hit 18 three-pointers. More often than not, mm-hmm. you hit 18 three-pointers in a game, you're probably going to win. But I, I right. look at it and I say at this point, it's still Miami's still the better team. I can't say the Knicks have surpassed the Heat. Not yet. They haven't. They haven't. Not yet. Not yet. They they got to, they got to give me some playoff wars before I can even say that. And, and, and truthfully speaking, the Heat just got a they got a, a solid squad. You know what I'm saying? I love the addition of Ray Allen. You know what I mean? I, I really think that he's gonna help ladder. You know, in the playoff run. But what I will say is, I see something in the Knicks that I haven't seen in a while, and that's a defensive presence. And that's what I think Woodson is really, really bringing to them. And that's why I don't understand. I, I, I know you hear me itching to get to this topic, but I don't understand why the Lakers would go and get Dan Tony. I respect Dan Tony. Right. I, 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 if you want some regular season wins, you go get Dan Tony. But not if you want defense. Not if you want championship caliber ball. You don't get Dan Tony. And you, you kind of made my Tony. point. I mean, that was the point I was making. I mean, if. Mike D'Antoni, he's all about regular season wins. He's won a lot of games with the Phoenix Suns. They won a lot of games. He's all about getting to the conference final, his finals. He's got there a couple times with the Phoenix Suns. But he's not mm-hmm. about that next thing, that championship. Don't mean the thing nah. without the ring. And Phil Jackson, he's, he's about that life, as they like to say on the streets. 
Oh. Hey, hey, I was just about to say that. Listen, D'Antoni ain't about that championship life. Now, Phil. <laughs> he's about that Phil, life. <laughs> Phil about that championship life. He He's real zen, and he, he's zen in that life. You know, and, and I, I feel like, you know, with the Lakers, even with their fans, it, it leaks into management. There's a lot of emotion going on. You don't let a man like Phil Jackson slip through the cracks. I don't care what you got to do. You go get that man. I don't care Definitely. what you got to You go get that man. Because now what's happening is the b-ball guys are sitting back saying, you going to disrespect the Zen master? Now y'all got to lose. And now they, 20 games in, two games under 500. Mm-mm, that's not good. And the thing is, I, I looked at the whole situation. To me, it's like you're looking at two chicks, right? Dan Tony's mm-hmm. the eight, Phil's the ten. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. okay, you see an eight and you see a ten. The eight is good, and the eight might mm-hmm. be better for you, but mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself. You owe it to everybody in your life to go after that ten. And Phil Jackson is that ten. You don't let the ten get away. You got an opportunity at a ten, a dime, you don't let it slip through your hands. And that's what the Lakers did. They let it slip through their hands. You don't let a dime slip through your hands. You don't. That's like that's like saying, yo, I got the opportunity to go to Oklahoma or Brazil. I'm going to Brazil. Now, I'm sure there's some cute chicks in Oklahoma, but I'm going to Brazil because I know what I'm getting when I go to Brazil, and that's some beautyism, and that's what <laughs> Phil is. Pause on the exactly. beautyism, but Phil is the zen. You don't leave him on the table. That that and that that's just a problem, and you're seeing it within the Lakers right now. You know they just don't have that defensive presence. You got a defensive player of the year three, four times over in Dwight Howard, and you just don't feel that presence. And you know what? Dwight gonna give you them numbers, but it's a certain energy, it's a certain play you gotta have. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and it's a certain passion, and I don't see them. Right. You you watch the Lakers, and it's just. You don't. It's just like you said. It's just something missing. You just don't mm-hmm. see it. And it's still early in the year. And fortunately for them, they got a lot of time to get this thing right. I just don't see them getting it right, though. I, I just here's the thing. Everybody's saying when Nash comes back. This is right. the thing. The Lakers got incredible players. Let me let me just throw it out there because I'm not a Laker player hater. I'm more so a Laker fan hater. And that's because I know people around me that are so diehard Laker fans that I know this interview's eating them up right now. So <laughs> Kobe, phenomenal, incredible. Legacy, good lore. He's going down as a Hall of Famer. Nash, Hall of Famer. Dwight Howard, a beast. Paul Gasol, all star caliber player. My problem is this. You aren't going to bring back Nash with them legs. Let's let's be realistic. Nash is about 40 years old. You got boys like Westbrook. You got boys like Rondo. You got the D-Wills. You got the CP3s in the game. That's going to wear them legs out. Now, you're going to get some regular season wins, but the Lakers ain't about that life. Lakers want championships, and you're just not going to get it. Right. You're right. I mean, they are about championship life, and I don't see it. I don't see it this year. I don't see it. And to me, this whole thing could just blow up. I mean, you look at Dwight Howard, he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. Steve Nash, he's 38. He's going to get old, only going to get older. So 
and Kobe. He's only going to get older, too. This whole thing could really blow up. Hey, I think it's blowing up before our eyes. They arguing on the, on the court now. You can see the energy ain't there. The smiles ain't there like the preseason. You know, it's just you, you can feel it. And, of course, you know, wins breed laughter and fun. And, and, and that's what the game of basketball really is about. You know what I'm saying? Right. You see our Ron Artest getting real angry on the court, wanting to fight. You know, it, it's 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 a problem. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a big time it. problem. It's a I big time it. problem. And I, I don't I don't see I don't see Dwight as of right now. I see Dwight signing back. I, I I see Dwight. I could see it as he's walking to the bench. Like yo, is Brooklyn still want me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I would agree with that. I mean, because you look at it, why would this situation be desirable for you? I mean, like I said, Kobe. The best player on your team, the best player on your team, he's only going to get older. 34, mm-hmm. but he's been in the league 17 years. He's only going to get older. Nash is only going to get older. I mean, who else is there other than that? To me, and you got Gasol, well, but Gasol's only going to get older as well. To well, me, if now, I'm Dwight Gasol, Howard. See, they're treating Gasol like Boston did Ray Allen. They're putting him in so much trade talk that now, you know, he's, he, you see the lack of motivation. You know what I mean? And I don't think Dan Tony is the right coach for Gasol. You know, you got a, a guy coming in that wants to run up and down with senior citizens. It's like we they like, hey man, we, we wanna we wanna stroll up this court. Right. <laughs> but you got us running all around. And and like the thing crazy. is that's why Phil I would have thought would have been the perfect fit. He knows how to play with Gasol and Kobe and he knows how to play with a dominant big man. I mean he has Shaq. So Phil knows how to do some things. Phil knows egos. Phil was motivated. Phil, uh, they said he was healthy. He was ready to go, and the Lakers said no, and they went with Dan Tony. We'll see what happens. We're talking. We'll see what after. happens, man. I, I just don't. I, it just don't look good. It don't look good to us. It don't look good to us. It don't look good. Don't look good at all. We're talking to actor and one of the stars of Second Generation Wayans, Damian Dante Wayans, and Damian. Let's get to the show now. It's airing on BET January the fifteenth, so that's a big day for you, obviously, and you got to yes. be excited about that. But tell us a little bit about the show. Oh man, I'm pumped for January fifteenth, man. I'm really, really pumped for you guys to see this show. It's a show that's loosely based on our life, and it's a real simple premise. It's, uh, it's about the second generation, uh, myself and my cousin Craig Wayans, coming out of the shadow of our famous uncles, making our own way into Hollywood. Okay, okay. And, and how did you guys come up with the concept of this show? Um, you know, me, me and Craig sat back, and, you know, everybody kept asking us what it's like being a Wayans, you know what I mean? And, and everybody had this misconception of, oh, man, y'all got money, y'all Wayneses. So we was like, nah, you know, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of paying your dues to being a Wayans. There's a lot of good, there's a lot of funny, but there's also a lot of ugly to it as well. So with that, we said, you know what, this is a show. And, uh... You know, BET saw it as a show as well, and now we come in January 15th. Now, what? I mean, you talked about the good, but you talked about there's some ugly. What is the ugly of being away? And I, I can't, from afar, I can't see it. Well, I'm going to give you an example, and this is something that we have in the pilot. You know, it's like going out for auditions where they already offered the part to your uncle. Like, now, that, okay. that's not that's not necessarily fun. 
You know what I mean? And I remember, okay. I remember I went out for an audition <clears throat> for a movie. They had me come three callbacks. I just thought I was going to have it. I knew it was going to be in my wheelhouse. And they turned around and offered it to Marlon. And I was just like, damn. You know what I mean? Like, that's the type of stuff we got to deal with. You know, other examples, you know, it, it's our family was in around the time when they were doing In Living Color, you know, I was in school. And I would come to school and teachers would give me shade. And I'd just be like, what, 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 what's going on? And literally, my uncles done made fun of somebody that they actually liked and enjoyed. So now... The, the the perfect person to take that out on is the youngin, the young man. Right. I, I ain't had nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a lot of residual that goes on with being a land. And, you know, just the reality is it's a tough business. And, you know, having family in the business, that may open the door, but you got to walk through that door and you got to be right. able to really hold your own. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people really, really understand how tough it is in this game. And with this show, we'll be able to showcase that. And you, you talked about your family. you got Uncle Damon, Uncle Keenan, Uncle Marlon, Uncle Sean, Auntie Kim. I mean, you got all mm-hmm. these people in the game doing big things in the game. Was it almost natural for you to get into this acting game? Um, you know what, man, I really, really felt it in my blood early on. You know, I, w- I would see my uncles and, and my aunt, and, and I would see them and, and their grind, and, and, I, and I was just cut from that cloth, man, you know, and I was just like, I can't wait. I, I really can't wait. You were about wait. that life. I was about that acting, directing, producing, all that life, you know what I mean? Well, first off, I was about that acting life, you know, okay. uh initially and then when I came to LA uh, right out of high school I knew I was about all that other life because this acting life was tough you know everybody out here is trying to be an actor so I was like look I gotta write I gotta direct I gotta do something else I gotta add other things to my arsenal in order to really stay afloat and be able to pay my bills so uh (laughs) you know it's been a blessing thus far and you know I can't wait for you guys to see the show and it looks like, I mean, so far, Jay-Z and R. Kelly don't have nothing on you. You seem like the best of both worlds. you got the directing, the producing, the acting. And talk about your versatility, man. Um, well, you know, like I said, man, you know, it, it's it, for me, one of the biggest things I learned from my family is that you have to wear multiple hats. Uh, if, if you look at my family, if you look at Uncle Keen and, and those guys, you know, they, they do multiple things. And, and, and if it wasn't for that, then the Wayans would probably be non-existent. So I'm a sponge to that type of knowledge. So I sat back and, and, and I really absorbed and I asked questions. And every set that I was on, whether it be on a fam set or just as an actor, you know, I was a sponge. And, and I knew that in order for me to thrive in this business, I had to acquire different skill sets. And, and it's been a blessing thus far. And, and you know, I'm continuing to grow continuing trying to learn, and uh, with this show, uh, I, I took a little hiatus, and I was doing a lot of writing and directing, and then I just got that itch again, man, and to come back in front of the camera, and now, you know, I'm, I'm going to start my own show, and it's a beautiful thing, and an EP on it, and, and it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's been a blessing, and I can't wait for y'all to check it out. And you got you, you got your cousin Craig, you got George Gore on the show as well. You also have... Tatiana Ali, the lovely, the talented, yes. the beautiful Tatiana Ali. Do me a favor. Yes. Oh, I said hi. Oh, oh, come on, man. You can't be hitting on my co-stars, man. What's, <laughs> come on, you can't be about that life. Do it when I get off the Yeah, no, no, no. I'll most definitely tell Miss Tatiana you said hello. 
<laughs> Please tell her I said hi. And is she as beautiful on TV as she is in person? Tatiana is extremely beautiful, but more than just the exterior, she's a beautiful person inside. You know, Tatiana's a great soul. You know, she does a lot for, you know, campaigns. You know, when it came down to the presidential election, you know, she was on the road getting her Obama on. You know, we would be shooting, and on the weekend, she was out on that road, you know, campaigning. So, you know, that's that's the cloth that Miss Tatiana Ali is cut from, and, and I'm blessed to have all part of our show. And you obviously you come from a funny family. We 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 went over that millions of times. You come from a funny family. Talk about a typical Wayne's family gathering. Is it as funny uh, as we, we, we as we would think it would be? Honestly, to be one hundred with you, yes, it is. It's hilarious. You know, if you could be a fly on the wall on a Thanksgiving or something like that. You know, it's nonstop jokes. It's laughter. You know, our family truly believes that. Laughter heals all wounds. You know, if somebody got shot and we ain't have a Band-Aid, somebody will probably tell a joke. <laughs> and that's just, you know, how our family <laughs> has been raised. And, and, you know, we project babies. So, you know, coming from the projects and not having much, you know, what you do have is you have togetherness and you have laughter. And, and that's what we pride our family on. And, uh, you know, it's helped us throughout the years because clearly the fans have absorbed it as well. Exactly, exactly. And what about your mom's? I mean, is she funny as well? My mom is hilarious. I love my mom. That's my best friend. Um, she She's uh, extremely funny. You know, I'll call her sometimes and I'll run ideas and I'll run jokes and she'll say, nope, that ain't funny. <laughs> so I got that type of mom. <laughs> So, uh, but she 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 gives input as well. You know, moms say it might not be the best input, but she'll give you the germ of the idea that'll put you in the right space in the right direction. Okay, we're talking to actor, producer, director, and writer, and one of the stars of BET Second Generation Wayne's, Damian Dante Wayne's, and Damian on the show. We like to play a game called Who's the Best. You ready to play? Okay. I'm gonna give you a couple Man, categories. I'm so ready to play this game. Let's go. Who is the funniest and the best acting Wayans? Oh, uh, you trying to get me in trouble? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm go with. Uh, can I can I pick my grandma? Sure. Okay, I'm going with my grandma. My grandma is the funniest. Uh, uh, Wayne's going, uh, especially when she's angry. You don't want to see my grandma when she's angry. She got the best jokes then. <laughs> she she curses out my grandpa like no other. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who is the best player in the National Basketball Association right now? The best player in the National Basketball Association is, hands down, LeBron James. Look, you got – players that are good, you got players that are great, you got players that are phenomenal like my man Kobe, but the best all-around player in the game is LeBron James. LeBron James, okay. You're not going to get the argument. Kobe Bryant, maybe, maybe, but at this point it seems uh, listen, like LeBron. At, at the, the, the killer, if you ask me who has the killer instinct, the, 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 the extreme passion, in the game, I would give you Kobe all day just because Kobe comes with that men- mentality every single game. But the best all-around player, I got to go LeBron James. What is the best movie you've ever seen? Oh, 
Coming to America starring Eddie Murphy. That is my favorite movie till this day. I can recite lines from it. I envision myself remaking that movie one day. God willing, that movie was hilarious. That, that, that's a good one. I watched it actually last week on BET, ironically enough. I mean, it, it never gets old. It doesn't it get old. It never ever, ever gets old. And when I say remake, that's just a fantasy. I'll never do it just because I would never touch that. But at the end of the day, that movie is hands down my favorite comedy of all time. Last one, what's the best movie that Damian Dante Wayans has been a part of? Oh, the best movie that I've been a part of. Uh, Honestly, it it, it had to have been two. One was... uh, don't be a menace just because I was so young and the energy on that set was kind of really just, it was like, it was like he gave a bunch of college kids a camera and said, go and have fun. It it was literally that type of movie. And I think it relayed on screen. Like the jokes were just coming from left field and, and you know, just the whole energy, the whole experience was funny. You know, cats are shooting in the hood and the cats in the hood was laughing. You know, you seen gangbangers laughing. And that's like, that was the type of set that was. And then I would have to say, uh, don't be a, I mean, dance flick because, for me, with Dance Flick, that, that was literally, you know, I directed that movie, and it was a chance for me to have all of my family around, you know what I mean? We had, you know, Waynes as extras. We had Waynes as PAs. We had, you know, Uncle Keenan was in it. Sean was in it. Marlon was in it. Damon Williams Jr. was in it. You know, we just had so many. Aunt Kim was in it. My cousin Craig was in it. So it, it was just a family affair. And, I mean, it's always a family affair, it seems like, with the Waynes family. I mean, you guys... You guys stick together. You guys definitely stick together. Hey, man, that's the way to do it. Look, if if we ain't have family, you know, we wouldn't be in this game. I think God uh, did us a service by putting so many people uh, in the same fam doing the same thing because we'd probably be crackheads. Let me be honest with you. I don't know if you want to. We'd probably be crackheads. Some of us be in jail. You know, because, <laughs> you know, we, and I, we grew up in the projects, man, and, and I don't think a lot of people really understand that and know that. You know, I think they just think we was born in this business, but we wasn't. It, it was a tough road, and, and and to have cats in this game doing their thing is, is truly an honest a blessing, and, I, and well, I, I can't say enough. Well, as long as you were the funniest crackhead, I guess that's, that's a good thing, right? You guys would have been the funniest crackhead. <laughs> Man, we'd have been high. i tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> now, Damien, January 15th is the date. Second generation Wayans on BET. 10 o'clock, correct, or 10.30? 10.30. We come on January 15th on BET at 10.30, premiering right after Real Husbands of Hollywood. That's, that's my man Kevin Hart's show. That should be another hilarious one. So you got back-to-back comedy Hitting y'all in y'all face, January fifteenth. Be sure to tune in. And you're gonna—is that gonna be the same time for all the other showings of this show? Yeah, that's gonna be the same time for the duration uh, of our run, ten thirty, unless BET says otherwise. But uh, ten thirty every Tuesday, uh, kicking off January fifteenth. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @DamienDW. Uh, on my fan page on the Damian Dante Lands and, you know, Instagram at Damian DW, and I'll keep all of you guys abreast of the situation and where we at. 
fans, make sure you check this guy out. He's a funny dude. He comes from a funny family. Second generation Wayans. Airs on BT January 15th, 10:30 Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you check it out and make sure you support some of the great things that Damian Dante Wayans has going on. Damian, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing uh, but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Thanks, homie. Vice versa, man. You 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 got a lot of good energy. I love that, and uh, I support your show, homie. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, peace. Damian. Dante Wayans, one of the stars of Second Generation Wayans, airs on BET January fifteenth. If it's anything like, if he's anything like his his uncles, it's going to be funny. These Wayans guys, I mean, all everything they do is funny. Everything that they do is funny. The, everything that they do is funny, and it's going to be funny. It's going to be a big time show. I can't wait to see it. I'm definitely going to support it. I'm definitely going to be watching, and it should be interesting to see what happens. What happens? Because these guys are unpredictable as well, these Wayne's brothers. They're unpredictable. The unpredictability of it all. These guys are funny. And I look forward to the opportunity to watch that great, great show. I look forward to watching it this on January, January 15, 2013, 10.30 Eastern Time. Make sure you check it out. On BET. Let's go to the NFL now. A lot of great things going on in the National Football League, as always. A lot of interesting things going on in the National Football League, as always. And we got the Battle of the Beltway. Redskins and Ravens. And the Redskins are playing some big-time football right now. Big-time football. Beat the Giants last week. They're on a three-game winning streak. Beat the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys that are beating up on the NFC East right now. Beating him up on the NFC East, RG3, doing his thing. RG3 is special. He's special. He is special. RG3 is special. And RG3 is putting up some big-time numbers right now for the Washington Redskins. And it's one of the reasons the Washington Redskins are where they're at right now. It's one of the reasons that the Washington Redskins are where they're at right now. The Redskins right now, one game behind the Giants in the NFC East. And you look at the Giants' schedule moving forward. It's not easy, folks. The Giants' schedule moving forward is not easy. It's actually hard. You have the Saints coming up. And the Saints, if you remember, smacked the Giants last week, uh, last year, I should say. Beat them up big time. Blew them out in the granite. That was in the dome. But Drew Brees and this offense, they can put up numbers. Then you look at week 15, this Giants team travels to Atlanta. And this is a Falcon team that you know wants to wants some revenge from what happened in the playoff game when they were smacked by the Giants 24-2. And week 16 now, you have the Giants who travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens. They face the Ravens week 15 in Baltimore. So this three-game stretch for the New York Giants, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. This division is there for the taking for not only the Redskins, but also the Dallas Cowboys. And you look at the Redskins after, well, obviously they have Baltimore this week, but after Baltimore, they have Cleveland, Philadelphia, and Dallas. That's manageable. That is very manageable. And if you look at the Ravens these past few weeks, the Ravens have not been playing big-time football. 
You look what happened against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. They won that game, but you, Jacoby Jones, that big-time kickoff return, if it wasn't for the punt return, excuse me, if it wasn't for that, they probably lose that game. And then you go to San Diego, Ray Rice, 4th and 29, does the unthinkable. He does the unthinkable. He takes a little drop-off pass and turns it into 29 big yards. And the Ravens were able to beat the Chargers. And then last week, Charlie Batch. We're talking about Charlie Batch. Not Ben Roethlisberger. We're talking about Charlie Batch. And Charlie Batch, 276 big yards for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And ultimately, the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to beat the Ravens 23-20 in Baltimore. So the Ravens have not been playing great football right now. I think they win tomorrow against the Redskins. I think they win tomorrow. I really do. But all in all, it's no guarantee. It's definitely no guarantee. The Ravens have not been playing good football. The Ravens have not been playing good football. And I look at this situation with the Redskins now. The Redskins and the Cowboys are alive. The Redskins are alive. The Cowboys are alive. The only team that's not alive in the NFC East, and this pains me to say it, is the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost their eight straight to the Cowboys Sunday night. And granted, I look at the Cowboys, I look at the NFC East as a whole. I'm not impressed with the Cowboys. I'm really not that impressed with the Redskins all like that. And I'm not impressed with the New York Football Giants all like that. So these teams in the NFC East, I'm not impressed with. It's not a good division. It's just not. It's not a good division. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints go to New York and beat the Giants tomorrow. But you want to think about the Giants, you know, they're, they're just so unpredictable. They're so up and down. You know, they always have that November swoon. But they, they always, they're so up and down, these Giants, the Giants are. But, when it, the, you know, you, you have, the, over the past five years with Manning, Eli Manning, in these playoffs, he's always found a way to get the Giants to the Super Bowl those two, those two times. I mean, they just go through, they, they take the hard route. They always do things the hard way, the New York Giants. But in doing it the hard way, they always find a way to get it done. No matter if it's easy, hard, or what have you, they always find a way to get it done. So you have to say at this point, the favorite are the Giants. But with that Giants schedule, you know, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to make my prediction on who I think is going to win the NFC East at this point. Four weeks left in the season. Four weeks left in the season. I'm going to figure out. And I'm going to make a determination right now who's going to win the NFC East. And you know what determination I'm going to use? Schedule. Schedule to me is big. And I look at the Cowboys. They go to Cincinnati tomorrow. That's going to be tough. Then they have Pittsburgh, and then they have New Orleans, both at home. That's going to be tough for the Cowboys. Judging by that schedule, the Dallas Cowboys will not win the NFC East. They will not win the NFC East. You're not going to – to me, I look at that schedule, I see two and two at the best. At best, two and two. But the funny thing is, interesting thing is, that the division title could come down to what happens week 17 with Washington against the Cowboys in Washington. That could determine 
who wins the NFC East. It really could. If you look at that game, that could be the determination. That could determine who wins the NFC East. Because the Giants, the Giants have a tough schedule. The Giants have a very, very tough schedule. And again, granted, the Giants always do things the hard way. Giants always do things the hard way and done things the hard way over the years. That's what they do. That's what they've done. But that schedule of New Orleans, at Atlanta, at Baltimore, and they ended with the Eagles, and granted, the Eagles have been horrible this year, but the Eagles have played the Giants tough throughout the, over the years. And they beat the Giants the first game of the season. Granted, the Eagles are a much different team at this point in the season than they were when they played the Giants earlier in the season. It's a totally different team. A totally different team. I mean, that was week four. That was that was in September. Wow. And the Eagles were 3-1 at that point. That's amazing. They were 3-1 at that point and haven't won a game since. That's the last game that the Eagles won. If you would have told me that the Philadelphia Eagles would not have won another game after September 30th, I would have told you that you were crazy. I would have told you that you need to go to a mental institution. I would have told you that you need a lot of help. I would have told that you need to sit on somebody's couch 24 hours for 24 hours and seven days a week to talk about your issues because I didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that was remotely possible that the Eagles would not win another game. They didn't. They haven't won another game. And Andy Reid's essentially a dead man walking at this point in terms of him being in Philadelphia after this year. And uh, Jeffrey Lurie, owner of the Eagles, said 8-8 eight eight wasn't acceptable. So I'm sure... I'm sure at this point the Eagles being three and nine, seven and nine is the best they can do. I'm sure seven and nine isn't acceptable as well. So I mean, I think it's a, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion, but you never know. You never know. I mean, there are some outs for Jeffrey Lurie, the offensive line, the injuries on the offensive line. That's a big time out. I mean, you lose three fifths of your offensive line. That's an out. That is an out. That is an out. I will say, I, I don't know if he can use that out, though. I, I really don't. I think it's – there comes a time in every person's life, in every situation, where it's just time. The season has passed. The ship has sailed away. It's time. And also, also, let me go back. I, I got caught up in these Eagles. I get caught up in the Eagles from time to time. But let me go back to the NFC East and who's going to win the NFC East. Based off schedule – I think the Washington Redskins are going to win the NFC East. I think the Washington Redskins are going to win the NFC East. RG3 and the Redskins are going to win the NFC East. I think they lose tomorrow to the Ravens. I really do. I think they lose to the Ravens. But even with that being said, because of the schedule that the Giants have, that schedule down the stretch is brutal. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. The Saints, the Falcons, the Ravens, and the Eagles. And the Eagles, I mean, that's obviously a winnable game. It's a very winnable game. But the Eagles have played the Giants well over the years. But again, with that schedule, the Falcons, I mean, at Atlanta and at Baltimore, at Atlanta and at Baltimore, that's tough. That's tough. At Atlanta and at Baltimore. So you theoretically, if the Giants right now, if they were to go through 
right now and win. Let's just say they take two or two. Two out of the four games, they're nine and seven. And the Redskins, you look at the Redskins, they can go. I look at them going three and one to end the season. Both of these teams would be tied in terms of record. They would be tied in terms of record. They would be tied. I don't think the Cowboys, because they're scheduled, will have a hard time. They'll have a hard time. They'll have a hard time. They'll be tied in terms of record. Both of these teams would be 9-7. and seven. So maybe I need to change my, my thinking tomorrow. Maybe the Redskins do win tomorrow. <laughs> maybe the Redskins do win tomorrow. But you look at the Giants, they have three conference games left, and they have one division game left. Let's just say they beat the Eagles for, for argument's sake. And the two games that they lose is against Atlanta and Baltimore. Let's just say they lose those two games. And the one game, the two games that they beat win are against the Saints and against uh, the Eagles. They went into the division at 3-3. Three and three. The Redskins, on the other hand, if they do what I think they're going to do, and that's go 3-1 and one the rest of the way, which I think they will do, they would have a better division record than the Giants, and therefore they would win the NFC East. So... I think the Redskins the rest of the way will go three and one. I think the Giants the rest of the way will go two and two. And I think the Cowboys with their schedule and their schedule's tough. Their schedule's tough, very tough. I mean the Cowboys have a tough, tough road ahead, and so do the Giants. And I'm basing this essentially on schedule. I'm I'm basing this essentially on schedule, and I see the Cowboys going two and two as well as well, and they'll end the year eight and eight. But I think that Redskins-Cowboys game is going to be a big one. That's going to be a biggie. I see the Cowboys losing tomorrow. And I also see them going, losing to Pittsburgh as well. Dallas, I think, I'm going to have Dallas going 1-3 and three to end the season. Cowboys will end the year 1-3. and three. The Redskins will end the year 3-1. and one, And the Giants will end the year 2-2. Two and two. And with all that being said, the Washington Redskins will win the NFC East. RG3 and those boys are going to the playoffs. And we could have a situation now where the top two picks, RG3, Robert Griffin III, and Andrew Luck, the top two picks in this draft may be in the playoffs. They took two bad teams and got to the playoffs, these two teams. I think, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. I think that RG3, I think RG3 and the Washington Redskins will, will get to the playoffs. The Washington Redskins, wow. And you look at the Redskins team. Three weeks ago, they were three and six, and there was talk early in the year. Mike Shanahan, you know, maybe it's time to look at other, look at the, look forward to next year. They they were three, and, they came off a three game losing streak, and were three and six, three and six. And just like a lot of people in this league, they got right against the Eagles. 
they got right against the Eagles. They got right against the Eagles. And I look at this team, the Washington Redskins, RG3, Robert Griffin III, who's been falling out of his mind this season, who's been getting it done this season for the Washington Redskins, who's been doing it all on the ground, in the air, 23 combined touchdowns, 714 yards rushing, six touchdowns on the ground, 2,600 yards passing, 2,660 and 17 touchdowns. We could be talking with four games left, RG3 having over 3,000 yards passing, having over 1,000 yards rushing. That's what we could be talking about with RG3 by year's end. That could be the talk about RG3 by year's end. His numbers, his numbers are crazy right now. The way he's been playing, he's been off the charts. Been off the charts, man. Off the charts. Off the charts. RG3. Off the charts. Off the charts, man. Really has. And he's been ridiculous. Andrew Luck, equally ridiculous. I mean, you don't come into the National Football League as a quarterback and dominate the way these guys have been dominating. You don't do that. That just doesn't happen. But it's been happening of late. It's been happening of late where guys are just coming in, stepping on the scene, and just dominating. Dominating. Getting it done. Getting it done. Getting it done. Getting it done. And when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, RG3 and Andrew Luck could both be in the playoffs. Pick number one and pick number two may both be in the playoffs this year. Wow. Number one and number two. And usually, you know, you're picking one and two. You're not usually having that type of turnaround this soon, this fast. The Redskins will win the division at nine and seven. The Redskins will win their division at nine and seven. And I think I think the Washington Redskins will get into this playoffs and I think the Colts who are playing some big time football, comeback football, the cardiac Colts. The cardiac Colts who always find a way, Andrew Luck finding a way down the stretch to get it done. The Colts right now, they're, they're, they're going to make the playoffs as well. They're going to make the playoffs as well. The Indianapolis Colts are going to make the playoffs. Andrew Luck, you are ridiculous. RG3, you are ridiculous. You guys have been getting it done for your ball clubs. Andrew Luck has been getting it done in cardiac fashion. 
late-game heroics. Late games, they've been getting it done. Been getting it done in late situations. Coming back on teams. They've been coming back on teams in the end, stealing games, if you will. They've been stealing games this season. They stole one against the Lions last week. Stole it. Stole it. Give me that. Took it at the end. Took it at the end. The Colts have been, they've been just getting it done. They've been getting it done. And Andrew Luck scored a touchdown. Threw a touchdown to Donnie Avery. When the seconds were at the horn with no time left on the clock. And the last time the Colts did that was 32 years ago. 32 years ago. And Andrew Luck, with that with that eighth victory, was the, has become the winningest, the winningest rookie quarterback drafted number one in NFL history. No quarterback drafted number one in NFL history has won as many games as Andrew Luck has. And he has four left. Four left. Four left. He has four left. So no quarterback drafted number one in a Super Bowl era has done what Andrew Luck has been doing. Or has done, I should say, this season. Eight games. Eight games. It's a lot. That's a lot. He's special, Andrew Luck. These two quarterbacks are special. Luck and RG3. I know, uh, you know, people were talking, I know a lot of people were talking about RG3 like they never seen this before out of a quarterback in terms of some of the things that he does. Michael Vick has done that. He did that dazzled us early in his career and dazzled us throughout his career. Randall Cunningham has done that. Steve Young has done that. We've seen this before. This is nothing new in terms of what Robert Griffin III is doing. This is nothing new. We've seen this before. But he is special. That he is. He is special. There's no doubt about it. He's special. He's been playing special football. Andrew Luck has been playing Special football. The Colts are eight and four. They're Chuck Strong. They are Chuck Strong. And the Colts probably are going to make the playoffs. I think the Colts make the playoffs. I think the Colts make the playoffs. And I think, I think. The Redskins make the playoffs. So, so that's how I see things playing out. I see Colts. I see the Colts. And I see the Redskins. Two rookie quarterbacks, one and two, both getting to the playoffs. I expect that to happen. Five seasons in. I want to switch gears now to boxing. Big fight tonight. 
big, big fight. These boys are getting it on for the fourth time. It's been four times. These boys, Pacquiao, Marquez, getting it on fourth time. What happens now? What happens now? And the funny thing is, you know, if, when this fight was made, there's a lot of talk. Oh, these guys are fighting again. How many times can these guys fight? How many times will these guys fight? This is getting old now. I don't want to see these guys no more. These guys are fighting again. These guys are fighting again. I mean, come on. These guys are fighting again. You heard all that, but, hey, it's sold out. It's sold out. The fight is sold out. The fight is sold out. So I guess somebody cares. I guess somebody cares. Somebody cares. Fans do care about this fight. It's sold out in Vegas. It's sold out. $10.5 million gate for this fight. It's sold out. The MGM Grand Garden Arena, 16,000 seats, is sold out for Pacquiao Mayweather. So, not Pacquiao Mayweather, that's wishful thinking on my part. Pacquiao Marquez, for the fourth time, these boys are getting it on. For the fourth time. This is going to be a good fight. The last three fights were great fights. So, when these two get it on, you know it's going to be a great fight. If you're buying pay-per-views and about boxing and a big boxing fan, and I think if you're going to purchase a pay-per-view, this is probably a good pay-per-view for you to purchase. This is probably a good fight for you to purchase. This is probably a good one for you to purchase because the last three have been nail-biters. The last three have been close, have been close. These fights have been close, the last three. The last three have been absolutely close. Nail-biters. Pacquiao's 2-0-1 in three fights against Marquez. 2-0-1. 2-0-1. Against Marquez. So, I look at this particular fight, and it's going to be a close fight because that's what they do. That's what these guys do. They they fight close fights. They they're always even. These fights are always close between these boys. Pacquiao, Marquez. You know what you're going to get in terms of a close fight. That's what they do. They fight big time fights, but they fight close fights. It's just close. It's going to be a close fight. I look at this fight and, and I say, you know what? Maybe Marquez is finally due. Maybe he's finally due. And I've been hearing this a lot, and a lot of people saying this, and you know maybe. It's almost like in the NBA, you know, where officials may have makeup calls. There's a makeup call. There's a makeup call. And you could argue that these three fights, I mean, a lot of people believe Marquez won the last fight. 
lot of people Marquez, believe Marquez won the other few fights as well. All these fights were close. A lot of people Marquez said Marquez uh, won some of the fights that he lost in this trilogy. I look at this fight, and maybe Marquez is finally due. Maybe if it's a close fight, the judges will give the nod, almost a sympathetic nod to Marquez because of what happened all the other fights. Maybe. Maybe. But it's going to be an interesting one, man. It's going to be an interesting fight. Marquez, you look at, you saw him on the scale yesterday. He was ripped. He was ripped. And, you know, he's probably in the best shape he's been as a fighter. He was ripped. Or the best shape he's been at least at 147. He was ripped, man. He was ripped. Absolutely ripped. And, you know, because of that, there are speculations. There are people talking about Marquez's new physique. Marquez's ripness. I mean, he's 39 years old. So it's a lot harder at that age to get ripped. It's a lot harder at that age to get ripped. It really is. And his trainer, who was involved in the Balco scandal, Angel Guillermo Heredia, he was involved in the Balco scandal, does definitely raise a few eyebrows. It definitely raises a few eyebrows. Really does. It really does. So we'll see. We shall see what happens tonight. Pacquiao, Marquez. I think Pacquiao gets it done. I really do. Um, Pacquiao has been the more active fighter in terms of activity. Marquez is the counterpuncher. Pacquiao has been the aggressor, and I think the aggressor will get it done. I think Pacquiao now, he looked focused. I really like the way he looked in that uh, weigh-in. He's focused now, and... More focused, I think, for this fight. And I think he wants to prove that, you know what, I am the better of better of the two fighters. I am better than Marquez. And I think he wants to prove that tomorrow. Tonight, excuse me. I think he wants to prove that tonight. And I think he will. I think he will. And I think he might do it in convincing fashion. I think he might do it in convincing fashion. You remember... In that first fight, he had Marquez down three times in that first round. And then, <clears throat> so, it's not a, it wouldn't be any type of surprise. And he had Marquez down in the second fight as well. So, it wouldn't be any type of surprise if Pacquiao stops Marquez. I think he steps it up, puts the pedal to the metal, and I think he stops Marquez tonight. I think Manny Pacquiao will stop Juan Manuel Marquez tonight. And I expect when that's all said and done, that Manny Pacquiao beats Juan Manuel Marquez and Manny Pacquiao. Hopefully, hopefully, 2013, we can finally see what we've wanted to see these past three, four years now. 
and that is Pacquiao Mayweather. Mayweather said he's going to be fighting two times, one in May and one in September in 2013. That's what he says. That's what he says. That's what he says. I think Pacquiao really steps it up in this fight. I think Pacquiao really, really wants to prove something here, especially coming off a loss to Bradley, but a loss that wasn't a loss to Bradley. We all know who won that fight. But you look at this fight, and it's going to be—it's going to be a good fight, regardless of how you see it. It's going to be a good fight. Does he stop Marquez? I think he does, but there's a good, great possibility that he doesn't. That's what Juan Manuel Marquez just doesn't get stopped. He's just not about that life, as we were saying earlier. He's not about that life. And I look at this fight, and Pacquiao, I think, wins it. But I hope now, and again, I'm not holding my breath. I am crossing my fingers and my toes, but I'm not holding my breath. That one day, somehow, one day, one time, at some arena, in this kind of whatever it's going to be, I just hope that Pacquiao and Mayweather can finally get this thing on and we can settle it. We can settle who is the best between these two fighters. Who would So we can stop putting this thing on paper and let's put this thing out there. You know, right now it's on paper. This whole thing is on paper. Well, I don't want it to be on paper anymore. I want to find out who is the best. Is it Pacquiao? Is it Mayweather? And who is pound for pound the best? I mean, these two have been one, you know, these two have been, one has been up and the other has been down in terms of pound for pound supremacy. There's been a lot of talk about who is the pound-for-pound best fighter. Is it Pacquiao? Is it Mayweather? Well, unfortunately, we haven't been able to settle this thing in the ring. And hopefully, and maybe this is wishful thinking on my part, but hopefully Pacquiao wins, and hopefully these two, Mayweather and Pacquiao, can finally get this thing on. So we can we can answer it. Instead of putting this thing on paper, we can finally answer the question, who is the better of the two fighters? Who would win Pacquiao, Mayweather? That's the fight that everyone, everybody, everyone, and their mama wants to see. That's the fight that everybody wants to see. Everybody wants to see that fight. I want to see that fight. Your mama wants to see that fight. Probably your baby mama wants to see that fight. Your cousin, everybody wants to see that fight. I want to see that fight. Will it happen? Only time will tell. Will it happen? My best guess, if I if I had to guess, I don't think it ever happens. I don't think I think this is something we're going to have to be talking about in terms of almost in a mythical way, because I don't think it happens. I really don't. But stranger things have happened. I want to thank Damian Dante Waynes for stopping by. Make sure you support his show on BET, which airs January 15th on BET at 10.30 Eastern Time. Support what he is doing, second-generation Wayans, Damian Dante Wayans. 
And make sure you follow him on Twitter at DamienDW. Also, you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at GoForItCant. That's G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Follow us at GoForItCant. You can listen to this show and other great shows, again, at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great day and a great week. See you later. Take care. Bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.